there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. We are back, and it's time for some more Advanced Medicine Monday. And, oh, boy, Dr. Bittar, with that trip last week, and we had to pre-record last week's, I I miss you, and it feels longer than a week, and I'm so glad to have you back on board. It does seem like uh, a lot longer than uh, than a week. Yeah, but last week was great. Way. I mean, the things you did when we covered the five like most common drug and drug categories and giving people options. I, I encourage people to go back and listen to that because there's such not only wisdom but practical solutions to all of those things. That uh, I was just glad we we did that. I mean, it was fun to be able to just hey, let's just take a topic and cover it from uh, from soup to nuts, so to speak, in a in a very short order. So yeah, very well received. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah, but uh, this this past week has been wild. Now back in town after health freedom and such. And yesterday on the show, I had Mike Adams. We were covering all of the events of the Rossum food raids and the saga continues with James Stewart, who was evidently lost in the so-called legal system or the jail system of Los Angeles County for eight days. I mean, and then, then the kind of bails are putting on these people that just basically want you to have raw milk if you want it. Uh, you know, worse than murderers and, and, and molesters. It's incredible, the, the, the fear in which they look at people who eat raw foods. Well, I think it's because they don't want people to realize the benefits of eating all this, uh, the raw milk and have the raw food because then suddenly people aren't relying on pharmaceuticals and mm. other types of uh, panaceas to try to take care of the problem. And you know, between you and me, we know that the, the enzymes themselves, without being destroyed in the homogenization and the pasteurization process, those enzymes are so beneficial to pretty much all living species. And I think that's, uh, that's really what it comes down to, Robert. I think they, they're not scared of the raw milk. They're just scared that people are going to, you know, if you let one start doing it, then you're going to have the whole population eventually realize the benefits. And pretty much people do realize the benefits of raw milk and it's this can't get it anywhere so it's very hard most places it's true you know mike right. adams asked me to put a few quotes for this poster coming out about food and you know you just said almost the, the exact quote i basically said when you subsist on food grown in contaminated soils for instance you inevitably subjugate your body to government sanctioned pharmaceutical drugs i mean that, that becomes the replacement for food uh, although it's not a true replacement it's something that placates or suppresses the symptoms that inevitably arise by eating dead food you're absolutely right, and I've quoted on your show and in front of the North Carolina Medical Board and numerous other places Thomas Jefferson's quote that when a government, when a people allow a government to dictate the foods they put in their mouths and the drugs they put into their bodies, their souls will soon be in the same sorry state as those who live under tyranny. Mm. You know, it's again coming back to we read these quotes from the forefathers. He said specifically the medicines that they take into the bodies and the foods that they put in their mouths. Specifically, I mean what. What part of that 
don't people understand? Yeah, and Thomas Jefferson wasn't a physician. I mean, Benjamin Rush was a signer to the Declaration of Independence. He was a physician, and he warned about the potential for medical monopoly, medical dictatorship, if you will, if there was not, uh, let's say, that kind of freedom, health freedom, basically, put into the Constitution. And there was a lot of argument back and forth at the time that those words might limit it, but it turns out that uh, Rush, Benjamin Rush was actually prophetic, too, in predicting the medical monopoly in which we are all basically suffering right now. Yeah, and it is, it is exactly that, a medical monopoly. Mm. And, and, you know, there's another thing that came to mind when I was thinking about, well, what kind of quotes can I come up with for this poster about living foods and, you know, being healthy and consciousness, right? And I thought, you know, plants are intelligent and, and animals are absolutely intelligent, but humans definitely not intelligent. And I was thinking, well, how do I know that? And I, I just thought about it some more. I said, humans are the only species dumb enough to attempt to conquer nature. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very true. And humans are the only species that wherever they go, they ruin the balance. Yeah. Um, we, we are probably the most destructive species. In fact, if you look at it, the human species is the only species that kills simply for pleasure. No other species kills for pleasure. Yeah, you know, it's it's really twisted and warped. And, of course, a lot of these killings, including uh, recent another school shooting, we would say, related to food devoid of these living living foods, if you will, the, the ones that are eating dead foods devoid of minerals. And I, I heard just yesterday there was another horrific shooting. I don't know if was this in Afghanistan. Uh, another soldier went, went absolutely bonkers and just killed a lot of innocent women and children. Well, the things that they do to soldiers – the types of vaccines that they're exposed to and medicines that they're given, it's uh, no wonder that we don't have more soldiers losing their minds. In fact, if you ever saw that movie, I think we mentioned this before, Jarhead mm-hmm. was a movie that they shot where um, regarding Marines in Iraq. And in a certain scene, the sergeant tells them all to take these medicines. And they, one of the guys refuses it, and the sergeant gets in his face and says, listen, you know, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Now, everybody open your mouths. And he walks by and he throws these medicines inside their mouth and then he makes them open up their mouth to make sure that, you know, there's not, they're not holding anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have to lift up their tongue and all this stuff. And he walks by and he says, all right, fine. And then he dismisses them. And you see one of the guys turns around and he spits it out because he pushed the pill up between his upper teeth and his, and his uh, lip. Mm-hmm. So when he opened up his mouth and lifted up his tongue, the sergeant couldn't see, you know, there was nothing there. But right. he, he pushed it into the upper lip and then he spits it out. And, you know, even in a Hollywood movie, it's, it's indicated that people are – soldiers are being subjugated to things that they don't want to do. And uh, some of them are defying even that and, you know, spitting out the medicines that they're forced to take. But you know about uh, Project Daylily, right? Oh, yeah. Well, let everybody else know hear about the Project Daylily because that's, that's also a stunning bit of information not everybody's aware of. Yeah, Project Daylily is um, actually a book that was written by a husband-wife team, Garth and Nancy uh, Nicholson. Yes. And they are researchers. Actually, Garth Nicholson was the chief of chemistry or chief of laboratory medicine at MD Anderson. And uh, then he left MD Anderson, which is a very prominent uh, cancer hospital in Houston, Texas, and went to California and uh, opened up a research lab there. But I've had a couple conversations with Garth some number of years back, 
and with his wife. And essentially, Project Daylily was about the development of certain vaccines. And one of the stories that they talk about, and I think, Robert, if I'm not mistaken, you and I have actually discussed part of this in one of the shows last year. Yes, we did. Okay, about the physician that was found in the hospital, in MD Anderson, in his office, with a suicide note, when he supposedly committed suicide after disclosing the use of vaccines, experimental vaccinations, in prisoners at the Harris County Jail. Harris County is the county where Houston is located. And essentially, this doctor decided to expose the truth and couldn't continue the lie about the human experimentation that was being done on the prisoners as well as U.S. soldiers. Yes, the armed and, forces exposed, as you said, to chemical and biological toxins, uh, at least in part through vaccination, but that's not only vaccines. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here people are still not aware of. And, in fact, the investigation on that suicide, it was ruled suicide. There was only one problem with that suicide. The entry wound was in the back of the head and the exit wound was at the top of the head. So the man would have had to, the doctor would have had to put the gun in the back of his head, shoot himself in the back of the head with the uh, exit wound coming out the front. And of course, that's not how people commit suicide. So it was very interesting that it was done inside the hospital too. And of course, the popular media will not cover that. And even if they did, whoever tried to cover that, they would be fired and the story would be shut down. So um, nobody really hears about it, but that's exactly what happened. And it's actually well-documented. Mm. And I think Project Daylily was a book that was eventually published. And I have a copy of it, actually, an electronic copy that uh, Garth gave me before it was published. And, uh, in fact, yeah, it is published. I'm looking it up yep. on the Internet right now. And yep. it is, uh, it's actually available for download, too. Yeah, so, we'll have that linked up at the blog today in, in the show notes because if people want to read about these stories that are never covered by the old media – uh, there's ways to get that information while we still have access to them. Then uh, definitely get them so you don't become victimized by it or don't let your children one day grow up to be victimized by these things. Exactly. Essentially, the whole book is about the Gulf War syndrome and how it was all a man-made situation that we created it due to the medications and vaccinations that were used on an experimental basis with the U.S. soldiers. Hmm. Of course, you don't hear it about it. It was also many prisoners in, in county jails also suffered similar type of symptoms and they were also exposed to these same things but uh, it never uh, became a very popular subject for the media to pick up on but the Gulf War syndrome got picked up and of course uh, the rest is history. We know that many of these people get better, significantly better once they're treated with biological means and uh, they don't have to suffer compared to their counterparts that are treated with pharmaceuticals, additional pharmaceuticals and they don't get any better because it's a symptom-like management of their condition, right. of their symptoms. And essentially, they're given neuroleptics and antidepressants and those type of drugs. And the biological aspect of it is never addressed. The, the toxicity aspect of it is never addressed, and so they just worsen. Yeah, they don't, they don't acknowledge the true cause in this, just as they still try to deny the vaccine relationship to the, the autism spectrum as, as it's known out there. But we've talked about it in different, in different uh with different words and descriptions, as well as the mercury thimerosal. In fact, you sent me a, a new, I guess you'd, you'd call it an abstract, on another another study showing thimerosal, the mercury-containing vaccine preservative, causing neurodevelopmental abnormalities similar to autism in rats. And, of course, the humans have become rats. I mean, you know, that's not only sport killing that humans do that no other 
animal does, but the fact that we're intoxicating and poisoning our fellow man, woman, and child is also horrific. It really is. And the consequences extend so far beyond just the individual. It affects their family. It affects the next generations. There's many of these substances that women are exposed to that continue to affect the fetus um, generation after generation. It's a very, very sad state, and it's a very significant effect that we're causing on the human population. You know, and, and on my trip out west last week, or is it a week or more, I don't know, it's, it goes so fast nowadays, uh, two, two things interesting happened on both of the flights. On the flight out, we pulled away from the gate, only to have to come back a couple of minutes as we were taxiing because there was a, um, a, a customer, I say customer, patient, I wanted to say, on board. There was a person on board who suddenly went into a panic anxiety attack. And it didn't have anything to do with the flight or fear of flying either. And, and and so we had to pull back to the gate. He had to you know be brought off by medics as such. And on the flight home, coming from the west to the east, this happened mid-flight. A woman started go, go, having some kind of panic anxiety attack, and it had nothing, again, to do with fear of flying. It was a whole different issue. And I'm thinking that if, if two flights, 100% of the flights I was on this trip, I'm seeing this, we are seeing a rapid increase in neuroemotional, neurobiological imbalances, abnormalities, to the point of causing disruption in what we would call the normal flow of life and operations as such. And we heard, again, another school shooting recently, as well as the, the, uh, the soldier going off in Afghanistan. I think we're set up to see a lot more of this happening. Maybe you've experienced this well, or maybe people out there, if you're listening to this, uh, you'll let us know if you're seeing more evidence of people going off in, you know, to extremes to where they can't contain the imbalance, emotional, neurological, etc. What are you seeing out there, Dr. Batar? I think that that's uh, accurate of what I'm seeing, too. I, not necessarily panic attacks, but you start seeing people with just a lot of uh, social interaction deficiencies where they just can't appropriately act mm-hmm. or they have uh, withdrawal, they get, you know, they may end up having the panic attacks or anxiety. We already know that the most commonly prescribed drug in the United States right now is an antidepressants. Yeah. So there's a, there's a reason for all of this. And I think that the drugs that, that adjust the neurochemistry that affect the neurotransmitters and cause a disruption in the balance of the uh, neurological chemistry are probably one of the best ways of uh, altering the population, dumbing them down, um, warranting them having to be put on for the medication, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it's anything different than the autism aspect. You know, you're affecting developmental brains in autism. I think that uh, this is another way of affecting those that you may not be able to justify giving the vaccines to or piling on 64 different vaccines within the first 48 hours of life. Yeah, well, it's it's accumulating generationally now, as we've seen animal generations much quicker, so we've seen evidence of, of some of these things happening. But now in the humans, it's happening at a greater, uh, let's say it's becoming more obvious. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk more about that, as we did last week on the issue of, uh, of five drug categories, including depression. We may have to revisit some of those options as well, as we're acknowledging and recognizing some of these imbalances playing themselves out. In, in greater and greater ways, and it's uh, not a fun thing to see, but we, we need to be prepared. We're going to talk about that and more on the Robert Scott Bell Show edition, as always, on Mondays with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Remember his book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, that international bestseller. You can get that. I've got it linked up at the blog, as we always do, at robertscottbell.com. Coming right back up to this. If you're looking for FDA-approved radio, you're listening to The Wrong Show. 
This is the Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Question for all you parents out there. What are you doing? If you're raising your kid more healthily than you were raised, and this is true of me and is certainly true of Dr. Batar with his children, we, you know, we learn from, hopefully we learn from our mistakes. I mean, that's the capability of humans. I mentioned humans being somewhat stupid or unconscious, certainly. Uh, we have the ability to choose consciousness by what we do. I, you know, I was thinking, Dr. Batar, you know, our kids are in martial arts and, and, you know, every time I hear about these kids are on Ritalin, another kid on Adderall, I get very nervous. And, and there's one kid there. In fact, you have to watch like a hawk because he gets extremely violent. And you know the discipline in the martial arts. They're, they're supposed to be capable of that, but they always withhold it in these training sessions. It gets pretty intense. And so it makes me nervous when I see these kids in there because they often are not in control of their own, uh, let's say, capabilities once they're on these meds. Yeah, I, you know, God knows uh, adults can't control themselves, so what makes us think that the kids could? And then, of course, they're altered. Their neurochemistry is altered, so that is a concern. And uh, having competed in martial arts for a number of years and with my son, you know, competing, we often saw these kids that were just, they were, they just kind of a little, got a little too enthusiastic. You know, you see the kids that they've, that are on a sugar high and they're just flying around in circles. In a rage. And I remember with the Abby, that was one of the things that, I'm not, I bet you this is no exaggeration, Robert. I would say probably an average of two parents during any tournament would come up to us, sometimes three, four parents, but I can't remember a single tournament where I had less than two parents that came up to me and said, what a remarkable uh, son I had, or mm-hmm. you know, something about Avi as far as his sportsmanship. And they said, this, you know, it's so incredible to see him and his speed and his skill, and yet he's so gentle. He would come with such speed and right before he'd make contact, he'd stop and just touch, just tap the kid, you know, where, right. where he needed to, to score the point. And, um, sometimes to the point that I would get a little nervous and I said, look, I'll be the kids a lot bigger than you. You need to go out a little bit more. You know, you're just, uh, too, uh, too relaxed out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, but that's a yeah. great degree of control, obviously, and discipline. If we talk about the Bruce Lees of, of, of bygone eras, and of course we know Bruce Lee later in his life evidently had some problems with medicines or drugs, but much of the martial arts throughout the thousands of years of history of martial arts, I mean, you weren't dealing so much with synthetic chemistry altering your, your biology and nervous system. And so you have a high degree of mastery of, of many skills, yet you are corrupted by pharmaceuticals. Now it's a, it's a combination that can be sometimes a dangerous mix. Very much so. Robert, it's funny that you bring up Bruce Lee. I was just watching a documentary on him last night, and uh, it, they actually talked some of, about some of the things that we just mentioned. The change, he was, a, he was a very holistic person. A lot of people don't know that about him, but he was very holistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, towards the end, I don't know whether it was the medications. I know that they, he was doing some things with the electricity as far as uh, to strengthen himself. And I didn't finish watching the whole show, but mm-hmm. uh, I watched probably about 20, 30 minutes of it. Uh, and it was interesting to hear about his philosophy and how he himself was a very holistically oriented person and was all about balance, essentially came down to balance. He right. tried to balance his body. His, his, um, he, he dealt with um, many of the components of 
uh, meditation and made all the things popular in the Western world that are associated with the Eastern world, which we'd now take for granted, yoga, mm-hmm. um, acupuncture, martial arts, all these different components that before nobody really knew about, but again, very holistically oriented. Yeah, and it is fascinating to think how much came out of the Orient, the Asian region from a Bruce Lee like that that had quite an impact around the world. And, you know, like many, t- taken out uh, whenever the, we might say too early, perhaps that was their mission and purpose. I don't know. It's, it's only for us to speculate. Uh, but certainly a lot of these uh, Asian traditions. I've often talked about that other um, uh, Asian – well, now he's an American guy. What was his name? Uh, he does, Jet Li or – No, he does the Aikido, I think it was. Yeah, he, he did a movie called The Patriot, uh, Steven Seagal. And The Patriot was not like the Mel Gibson Patriot about the colonial times, but it was about like a, a, a domestic terrorism uh, attack. And they're using bioweapons, biowarfare, creating a horrific, you know, c- communicable disease of some kind. And in the end of the movie, rather than it being a vaccine, like they always pretend it's the vaccine, it's the technology, it's medicine. They say it turned out to be a Native American flower that they turned into a tea. They drank it. Everybody got well. And from that moment on, suddenly he was a pariah in Hollywood. Mm. I I don't think I saw that movie, but um, there are many, many martial artists, I think, that have made a difference and helped the world become more aware of the holistic um, concepts from the the Eastern religions, and if you look about look at that component, if you look at the Eastern religions, a lot of the philosophy has to deal with dealing with the enemy within. Mm-hmm. And that's where that fifth toxicity, the emotional psychological toxicity, which is probably the most significant toxicity when you deal with the immunosuppressive conditions like cancer and such. They, it has probably the worst component or is the worst component and the reason it's the worst component is because to deal with it it's the most esoteric it's it's the least quantifiable and the most easily um, overlooked mm-hmm. of the seven toxicities it's not like you can measure with heavy metals or or uh, you know sit in a sauna infrared sauna or take uh, ozone autohemotherapy and get rid of the persistent organic pollutants it's something that has to be dissected away layer by layer and sometimes it may take a lifetime to do so but the, it, it's that meditation and the contemplation mm-hmm. and the philosophy of dealing with the enemy within and reaching a balance that I think is so significant and so contributory off the Far Eastern religions. Well, yeah, and other others around, even in, in the Middle Eastern uh, arena. I remember talking to those uh, of the Muslim faith. They talked about the jihad, and of course the jihad is, is promoted as this attack on everybody who is not one of them, but some of the more, I, I would say, inwardly spirituals uh, of those that I'd met had said, no, this was a, a, a battle within, you know, between good and evil within the, you know, the individual soul, so to speak. So it was a whole different realm that it got taken out for PR purposes. Robert, you're one of the few people that I've actually heard say that, uh, and that's exactly correct. Because jihad is is the internal war that you must that we all fight. You know, whether you're Muslim or not Muslim, it's mm-hmm. that internal conflict that we are constantly fighting the the good versus evil, the internal uh, conflict where, as uh, Roosevelt, I believe it's Roosevelt who said. Uh, the, the enemy lies within, fear. or there's no greater enemy than the enemy that lies within. Yeah, and fear. And, uh, and fear. So yeah. the concept of jihad has completely been bastardized and taken out of context 
because it's always been about that internal the war. Spir- it was a spiritual focus or a spiritual battle. And, you know, it's like this of all the, the major world religions. They become so materialistic. So they've externalized all of these internal spiritual, let's say, uh, battles, missions, consciousness scenarios. And you you got to listen to this. Last week, I know you've been, you've been so busy with everything you're doing, but we interviewed uh, Oliver Stone's son, Sean Stone, you know, the film director. Mm-hmm. And he went over and met with Ahmadinejad in Iran, trying to ab- avoid war with Israel and all the things that, you know, citizens are just trying to do their level best if they have the capability to do so. And we talked about stuff that nowhere in the media you would hear this interview. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming out that's uh, raising awareness on so many of these levels rather than driving us into war. If we get governments the hell out of the way, if I'm going to say it that way, we could actually establish peace because the people don't want war. It's these governments and those who control them that, that profit off of war. Well, what's the purpose of that war? And it was interesting that at a uh, conference that I was at recently, it wasn't a it wasn't a medical conference. It was um, a more uh, global economy type uh, conference, uh, looking at many different aspects of the economy, world economy, and um, you know, a topic was brought up, which was a very interesting topic as to why we went into Iraq and mm. a good old boy. Um, North Carolinian, you know, probably in the 70s, you would think would not know anything about global impact or global economics or, you know, leave alone. Um, I mean, I, I would have found it difficult to believe that he would know anything about North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he had a piece of straw in his mouth and, you know, overalls on and commoner <laughs> on his boots, I wouldn't have been surprised the way the guy talked. And yet it was incredibly uh, shocking what he said, which was, you know, without a doubt, the fact he talked about the fact that the reason we went to Iraq was because Saddam Hussein had talked about going on a gold standard and they were a gold rich country. Right. And it brought to mind the Russia Times article that you sent to me and the video that we were looking at about um, a month before we hit Libya, right. which was when um, Gaddafi was on on the air recorded at the United Nations where he made the case that the world currency should no longer be the U.S. dollar, but it should be turned around and fixed to the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And uh, within, what, a month, 45 days, we hit Libya. And now, of course, Iran is propagating the same thing with uh, going on the gold standard. And uh, why would we go into the Middle East and why are we so concerned about the oil and why do we talk about oil so much in Saudi Arabia when, in fact, we get more of our oil from Canada than we do this, the Middle East. And in fact, we produce, we are the, one of the few countries that has the capability of producing all our own needs for the fossil fuels, the hydrocarbon and the, uh, the oil. We, we, mm-hmm. we have enough in our own country with Alaska and with the, some of the offshore oil wells, yeah. uh, Oklahoma, Texas, we have more than enough. We just haven't utilize all those natural resources. So why do we keep on going uh, to the Middle East and talking about oil, 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 when we don't even really need the oil? It's because of strategic interest and it's because of this issue with preserving the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's the Fiat Reserve, Federal Reserve note, of course, not the dollar of, as defined by the Coinage Act of 1792, which, if indeed that was still active, which has never been repealed, uh, then you know it would be an issue because the dollars would be denominated in gold and or silver, 
which was shut down ultimately by Nixon when he closed the gold window in 1971, which we come back to uh, Ron Paul and why he got into politics when he saw the, the portending disaster. And this is what we are in, in the midst of right now. So you're right. All of these wars have to do. They pretend they're all about religion. And, you know, these the, you've been fighting for, for eons for thousands of years. But it all became control of turf, turf wars, uh, the uh, geopolitics as they're played out today, uh, different people of different interests, corporate interests, etc. Not in the interest of we the people. And, and I dare say not even the interest of the people of Israel, much less the people of Syria and Iran and Iraq who, if left to, let's say, human-to-human contact, would much rather choose peace because it would be in all of their best interests, but their governments who are controlled by other interests profit, as I said, off of war, both sides of the war. Well, you know, you hear the people like the, I, you know, maybe maybe I'll get censored, maybe you'll censor me for saying this, but like <laughs> this idiot Santorum out there yeah, was- that actually talks about the reason that Americans are haters because we're free. It's like, are you serious? You think that people, I mean... I don't know what what's worse, somebody saying that or people actually believing a line of manure like that. I mean, mm. why would anybody hate anybody because they're free? Nobody hates anybody because they're free. They hate they hate Americans simply because we have 700 and some bases all throughout the world in other people's countries. That's why they hate us. Mm-hmm. And we would hate anybody that was in our country with their base on our on our homeland. Sure. I mean, and it's Dr. logical, Bittar, is it? I mean, you'd have a neighbor come and squat on your land. Yeah. I think it would make you mad, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, and you served in the armed forces, and you took an oath of office to the Constitution, and you understood that the defense of the nation is an appropriate place, and it's a constitutional thing. If there is a, an imminent attack or an actual attack, that's that's what we have a defense and a military for. Absolutely. Not, yeah. Absolutely. And the key operative word is defense. Mm-hmm. And, of course, just like our immune system – the same thing. It's there not to go on a permanent state of offense. If we, if we did, we would exhaust ourselves to the point of cancer. And exactly. I, I liken this. It was a, you know, an MMA fighter who came to my lecture at the Health Freedom Expo. Huge guy. You wouldn't want to mess with this guy. But I said, listen, if this guy had to fight in the ring 24 hours a day, seven days a week with no break, grandma over there, 95 years old and 90 pounds could whip his ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because He'd have nothing left. This is the entire concept of subclinical infections and how (laughs) it creates a constant toil on the immune system and the subclinical infections or the subclinical toxicity, even like subclinical hypothyroidism. It Mm -hmm. can be devastating because of the slow, insidious uh, burden on the system. Yeah, of the system. Listen, let's take a break here so we can uh, recharge our batteries. Say thanks to all those that are supporting us here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, including and especially Dr. Bittar. If you have not picked up his book, incredible best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, please link through it. We've got it up there. If you're listening on the archive show through National News Radio, you'll also see a link to Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Just click it there as well. And, of course, uh, Dr. Bittar will be out and about. We're going to let you know where he's going to be appearing soon as well. Stay with us. The Robert Scott A program to bring you a special broadcast. Robert Bly. He is tenacious, isn't he? Scott is a brave and a decent man. He's a pioneer. Bell. This message must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 
As we continue now with Dr. Vitar on Advanced Medicine Monday, the question is, as always, how do we undo the mess we find ourselves in? Or maybe you find yourself in, or maybe a relative loved one is in that mess. So we talk about persistent organic pollutants, toxins, mercury, etc. Some of these very subtle, some more overt and obvious, but leading to depression, leading to pancreatic difficulties, hypoglycemia, leading to these animalistic interactions that we're seeing more and more of panic, anxiety. Uh, we don't want you to live in fear. We recognize that there are, are reasons and there are people that utilize that fear against you. Uh, but the more you are conscious, the more you eat consciously, for instance, uh, the more you will be or the less you will be susceptible to the manipulation and propaganda. Dr. Batar, you've been helping people out for years in this regard. And, you know, I'm so grateful for it. Well, I appreciate that, Robert. It's one of the most common problems in our society that people start getting these slow, insidious processes to start and they don't know really where to go, what to do. They usually, if they do seek out a medical provider, they have, they have these tests done, which, of course, the chemistries and everything, the CBCs, the various hormonal levels that they check, everything looks normal. And so they're told that there's really nothing going on and it's more in their head. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they get prescribed an antidepressant or an anti-anxiolytic. And the cycle continues and perpetuates and gets worse and worse. And the solution is uh, relatively simple, you know, so doing, doing certain things that everybody should do uh, that the creator designed us to do so that we could continue to maintain the optimum balance and eliminate these toxicities. And many of the ways to eliminate the toxicities are relatively simple. Some of them actually are as simple as just abstaining from them in the first place. And, um, and it's amazing what the human body is capable of doing and, and how capable it is of recovering. Yeah, that's the resilience that we talk about. But we've got to uh, not only give the body what it needs, obviously, as we talk about, and you've done so many years in your practice here, to remove from the body that which is blocking that ability to, you know, to, to really live in full consciousness. And, and of course, uh, when we talk about, uh, let's say, intelligence, whether it be innate or otherwise, I think we have access to the same kind of innate intelligence that the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom has, but so much of this garbage has gotten in the way. Without a doubt. And the, that garbage is all man-induced, virtually all man-induced. And we have indiscriminately taxed our environment and burdened it and indirectly burdened our own systems. And then, of course, with the use of the vaccines that we've talked and some of the drugs, then we've directly burdened our systems. And, um, you know, it's amazing to me that the human body, with all the assaults against it, is still capable of functioning um, in a in a relatively mm-hmm. normal manner, and yet it's anything but normal because I believe that if the correct things are done and if the body's given all the raw products that it needs in, in a clean and um, natural way without all the biologically engineered, the synthetic substances, the preservatives, the insecticides, the pesticides, the this, the that, I believe that there's no reason for the human body not to be able to live to the age of 120, hmm. given current state of uh, medical knowledge. And we see this often in people that are centurions and, and beyond. They're on no medication. They've lived a relatively clean life. They haven't partaken in the chemicals that are usually attributed to substance abuse, cigarettes, uh, alcohol, etc., and uh, they've had a balanced life with activity, 
regular it's actually activity. significant activity. They really push their bodies in a, in a very healthy manner. They're not like, uh, you know, decrepit in their aged years. I mean, they're actually staying really active. Well, exactly. The thing is that the, the activity, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be strenuous in the way that I think most people may think of strenuous. They have a, uh, maybe they don't, have the luxuries that you and I may associate as luxuries. In other mm-hmm. words, they work on a farm. They, every day they go out and they milk the cows. They, they, yes. you know, they walk half a mile just because they're doing something on their farm or whatever the case may be. But they're not sitting in a car to work and back from work, and they're not sitting in an office, and they're not sitting in front of the TV. And they're, in other words, they're not constantly sitting. You know, With my recent back uh, issue that I had, it's driven me crazy, Robert, because I'm sitting and I'm like, I yeah. I, I'm not used to sitting like that. I mean, even if I'm sitting, I, I'm used to my regular, you know, breathing exercises, my regular uh, workout, my regular, some type of physical activity. I'm out in the ranch doing something, you know, either putting up a fence or chasing a yak or something. I'm, I'm just <laughs> sitting in a, on, a, on a chair and yes. it is absolutely driving me crazy. I think I've probably driven my wife crazy because I keep on telling her that I'm going crazy and she's looked at me like, okay, go fine. If you're going crazy, go crazy, but don't make me go crazy yes. because you keep well, on talking well, about how you're going crazy. Bless her for helping you through this, absolutely. And when I, when you're able to up there and chase the yaks, we want a YouTube video of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you'll never get out in there. <laughs> Probably a couple of oh, man. That'd be classic. That'd be classic. Uh, you know, maybe this is part of the thing. Sometimes we need a reminder so we can empathize with uh, patients that have been sedentary for so long to remind them, oh, yeah, that's what it felt like. This is why you don't want to do that. Well, it's funny. One of my workers today was talking to me, and uh, he said, you know, how's your back? And I said, it's still sore. And, and he can see uh, – he, he could see that I was having problem walking. And, and I think I mentioned to you we had a baby black buck born, and um, mm-hmm. one of my guys touched, uh, touched the baby and if the mother gets the scent of the baby, they won't feed it. And so she basically had abandoned the baby. So we had to get some colostrum in the baby and long story short, while trying to feed this baby, um, it was kind of strenuous on my back because of the position that I was in. And, um, so one of the other guys asks, you know, what'd you do to your back? And he was there when we had the yak thing going on. He saw me jump over one of the um, the the fences, you know, as a yak had charged me or grabbed it by the horns, and and I mean, I had all these different encounters that I've had, and I've never injured myself, and it was really embarrassing to say um, I stood up from a chair. And my yes, back yes. Went out. <laughs> well, as I said, even when I had my back injury, as you said, at least you were doing something. Well, I was really sort of, I was barely leaning over to pick up a bike, but you know, it was like very embarrassing at that point as a young person. You know, it hadn't fit, but you know, there were so many other things happening, and and I learned a lot from it at the same time. So nothing is wasted in our experience, especially when we're you know designed here to be here to help others. So I know there's great purpose in whatever's going on. Well, I'm sure there is. You know, it's just embarrassing sitting there telling these guys who I've put up 185 pound posts with, and they've seen me work with them, hand you know, right next to them. And mm-hmm. so you know, I wish I could have some kind of exotic story or something to tell, but I don't have anything. <laughs> you got to make something good up. Like I was, I caught the yak and I wrestled it, and oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> But you, anyway. you, you mentioned, too, yeah, we talked off the air about what you just said, that story of uh, this young animal that uh, unfortunately was rejected by the mother and, and realized that these animals don't survive without the mother's colostrum. And I look at how many humans never got the colostrum, especially in the era that I was born when the docs were all saying, hey, breast milk is bad and, you know, here's the powder. 
And I was a sickly child, you know, for much of my young life until I became, you know, homeopathically aware, organically aware, and, and turned my life around. And I see this so much, you know, in the animal world that if you don't replace it or you don't get them the colostrum fast, they don't even live, much less if they live there sickly. Uh, yeah. So this is a 24, huge lesson. I mean, you got that 24-hour crucial window. If you can't get colostrum in them, pretty much any animal, um, I certainly know of the African hoof species, uh, most of the um, – most of the antelope species, deer species, uh, even even horses, same thing with horses. Mm-hmm. If you can't get the colostrum in them in the first 20, if they don't get the colostrum in the first 24 hours of life, they're not going to make it. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's amazing that the human animal is not only able to make it, but routinely does not get that colostrum. Yeah, but of course we do see the incidence of chronic disease, and I think we can go back to that. Those starting points they set the stage for susceptibility and to, to more and more things at lower and lower levels. And, and as I said, the trend is not really good. Although perhaps the canary in the coal mine scenario of which I was now, you know, everybody is becoming that canary, so it becomes much more obvious that we have to change, we have to do things differently. And I'm glad now we have, like, for instance, access to colostrum, even in adulthood. I mean, you know, Dr. Anthony Kleinsmith has, has been a good friend of the program. He has immune tree. They have their organic six-hour type colostrum. So it's not that we're completely SOL, so to speak, now. There are other things we can do to help replenish this and, uh, you know, mim- mimic nature. I mean, basically get back to what nature is teaching us. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, the use of colostrum and the use of uh, some of these uh, these uh, substances like probiotics and some of these substances that are crucial, especially early on in life, if you don't get these things, you end up having a scenario where it's sometimes commonly referred to as failure to thrive. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is. It's a failure to thrive. Uh, as you said, the children are not as healthy. Their, their ability f- to develop is not as uh, it's not in the same time frame, they're slower to develop, um, their physical stature is stunted, there are all sorts of different things. In fact, very similar um, to perhaps not as bad, not to the same extreme, but it's very similar to children that are born off a mother that has been smoking cigarettes. And uh, it, it is just, that's another level, that's another worsening level, but that's really what it comes down to. Mm. It, it, this is an amazing thing, and you know, I mentioned the story. I don't, I don't even remember now if we talked about it off the air, or on the air. There's so much that we've covered in this. We're not even done yet. It's amazing to me, Doctor. I have to say, the things when we get on the air together and cover, I, you couldn't script it. There's just no way the stuff that comes out. <laughs> but w- w- I covered this story yesterday as well. That the um, the raw milk, the attacks on raw milk, and suddenly there's this Texas A and M. The Aggies there developed some kind of genetically engineered goat milk that has a malaria vaccine built into it now i'm not really thrilled about that but the 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 irony of this story is of course our government our the doctor industry that's not aware like this or conscious will say raw milk dangerous very dangerous but oh wait we've genetically engineered this into the goat and the goat milk but if you don't drink it raw the vaccine won't work so suddenly now raw milk is good if they've engineered a vaccine into it other than that stay away from it you know it's the the logic just completely is, I mean, it just defies me. And I, I don't understand how anybody that has, as I like to say, more than a, a synapse, you know, <laughs> a, a functional synapse in their brain, how, how can anybody not just ridicule these types of foolish studies and these type of 
foolish stances. How can you say that raw, raw milk is not good for you and then say, but if it's genetically modified, now it's good for you? How is that possible? I mean, doesn't that just defy stupidity? I think they went to the Rick Santorum Medical School or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they tried to find some logical explanation. I can't find it. I, I can't. But it's you're right. Great. I mean, th- these are the absurdities that now become more let's say a lot more people will see them and laugh at them like we just did, which is important because humor is so disarming and it kind of takes the power and the fear away. And then we can maybe step back and see it differently and make these decisions, uh, you know, for our life and our health much, much better and, and, you know, much more supportive of genuine health as opposed to some form of medical slavery. Robert, I agree with you. uh, Humor is uh, good at lightening everything, but you know, my reason for laughing wasn't because I found it humorous, because it's so stupid. There's nothing else to do but to laugh at it, because what, what else can you do? I mean, you know, we should cry about it, but however, it's, however, it's it works. Um, yeah, I'm happy that it does work. Let's, let's take a break. We're going to come back and wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday. Always an absolute joy to get together with Dr. Batar, as I know you all love him, too. And uh, we're having a great time. Remember, nine steps to keep the doctor away. When we come back, I'll ask him uh, where he's going to be. I, I know one event uh, that uh, he'll be at. Uh, that's the plan, anyway, up in New York in June. We'll mention that as well. But lots more healing to go because the power to heal is yours on the Robert Scott Bell Show, especially when Dr. Batar's around. Stay with us. Coming right back. of radio it's the robert scott bell show all right we got a little bit long because we're just having so much fun together dr batar you uh you know it's not long-windedness i mean it's just interesting and we just don't stop and here we go a few minutes left where are you going to be i i mentioned one thing of course the the alive foundation is hosting a big awards event june 21st 22nd they might be moving into 20th 21st but basically around there and they've told me they've also invited you to be one of the keynote speakers which i'm very excited about because we'll we'll both be up there too Oh, I didn't know you were going to be. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's a thrill. So that's coming up. But you said there was another event coming up as well. Uh, there's a couple of them, yeah. I mm-hmm. think there's a cancer conference coming up in April, towards the end of April, I believe April 25th, 26th in Dallas. And um, can, uh, can anybody go, or is it just a doctor's-only event? You know, I think it's open. It's a medical. There are there will be doctors there. There'll be a physician mm-hmm. component to it. But I believe there's also a component where the general public is invited to also attend. I'm not sure as to the details of that. Well, we've got time to get the details out. I just want to let everybody know that if you're in April 25th, 22nd, anywhere near Dallas, there might be an opportunity to meet Dr. Batar. So I want you to know we'll get that link up eventually. So that's good. Is there another event we should know about? Uh, yeah, there's one. I think there's one coming up in May too. Mm-hmm. And you know, Robert, I'll have to talk with my staff and find sure. out because they just kind of tell me, point me in the right direction, and then I just kind of go. So <laughs> I know there's understand. something coming up, and I just don't remember what it is. I had somebody. My dad actually called me and said mm-hmm. something about uh, this event coming up in June, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And he said, "Well, you know, I got an email saying that you were going to be in in New York in June, and he lives in Philadelphia." And then I realized what he was talking about, but I had no idea what my dad was talking about at first. So I will get this information, and I'll get it to you, and then I have to to meet your dad. I'm going to be in Philadelphia on the 31st of March. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm speaking for the 10th Amendment Center, their Nullify Now event. I'm talking about some health freedom issues, how to nullify the federal government, the FDA. 
Oh, I'll uh, I'll get you his information. Actually, I'll let him know because he's an attorney, so he'll actually like to hear that. We love it. Nullifynow.com for everybody that wants to check it out in the, in the Northeast Corridor. Come on down to Philly. Tickets are going fast, but I will get your dad in for free if, he'll, if he wants to come. I would love to meet him. Oh, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll let him know. That would be fun. That would be fun. So, yeah, cool. Upcoming events that are happening, uh, empowering you around planet Earth. And, of course, the Australia event, I mean, it keeps going. You were out there, and then we had uh, a woman on. I interviewed Laura Bond. She's a journalist. I understand that she's interviewing you now. Uh, she actually just did interview me Friday for her magazine, uh, Nature and Health Magazine, which is a Australian magazine. Yeah, Laura's great because she, she she told the story of her mother. She says, Mom, Mom's not having chemo, uh, which is a great blog about her mom's journey uh, addressing cancer without uh, traditional oncology from the allopathic realm. And it's uh, terrific what she's doing. Yeah, she actually she didn't t- tell me about the the blog part, but she did tell me that her mom was a fan of mine and mm-hmm. yours. So I uh, appreciate it. I already like her if she's a fan <laughs> of us. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, if she's listening, hello. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. Like I said, this world has become so much smaller, and the information is flowing out all over the planet in such an amazing way. Uh, to, to think when we started this, we'd be hearing from people from Australia, from England, from Ireland, from, you know, of course, Canada and everywhere. Uh, there are no limits anymore to the, the way this stuff travels out there and helps people to get well. And I think people, as they enjoy the information or they are able to utilize the information, they've passed it on, and I guess that's how good media works right yeah well exactly it's how it should work and of course the things we're doing here in the united states would recognize something called the first amendment which is the right of the freedom of speech and of course uh the free press and that we'll dig into subject matters and areas that will uh, you know overturn or shine the light and disinfect you see corruption in many areas including as we do uh in medicine which helps people so much and 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 so grateful to you for your uh, willingness to stand up as you've done for so long now, and that's why we get to do this every week. Well, same goes for you, Robert, to be able to for more than, I think, more than two decades now, right? You've been on yeah. the air? Yeah, we've been going at it for quite some time. I feel like yeah. I'm old and gray now. And to, you know, to give that information out and never to falter and never to compromise and give the public the, the straight answer, mm-hmm. the truth, um, a lot of people sell out and you haven't and so i appreciate you and your pure message so thanks absolutely the great grateful and by the way those of you listening now if you don't already have a copy of the nine steps to keep the doctor away i will find out where you live and i will <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> get the book it's that good and everybody's it's sensational dr Batar, always a pleasure we have a great time together can't wait till next week already i mean the, the time goes by so fast remember the links up at robertscottbell.com right to that to medical rewind advanced medicine money very special part of what we do here each week to kick off the new week. So thanks again, Dr. Batar, and Thank to all you. of you out there listening, remember, this is the message that we have. Basically, it's this, that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.